I'm talking now with Brett McFadden. He's the superintendent for the Nevada Joint Union High School District. Mr. McFadden, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Nevada Union was closed again today. There was no instruction. On the school website, it says that the fact is due to a teacher shortage. Can you tell me about that? Yes. There's a a small group of teachers that are concerned about the district board of trustees action that they took earlier this week in regards to how the district will enforce its mass requirement for students moving forward. And there's a small group of teachers, approximately 35 to 40 or so, at the NU campus um, that have felt strongly about this. And we suspect that um, they're expressing their opposition um, by calling in sick. You said uh, 35 teachers. How many, how many teachers are there total at that campus? Um, approximately a little over probably 80 or so. Um, it's, and the total number of teachers, you know, that may, you know, feel strongly about this and, and have opted to um, take this form of protest, um, you know, somewhere between 35 and 40. Um, um, not sure. I mean, because a campus like Nevada Union is a large high school campus. And so on any given day, it's possible that you can have in between three to five of your teachers out sick or they have a, a child care issues or a family member that's sick. And so that's pretty common. So we don't have the exact number um, uh, out there. But um, uh, the unique thing is, is that it's specific to the Nevada Union campus. Um, absences among teachers and staff at our other campuses um, has been um, has been the same or uh, tracking the same. And so our other campuses have remained open and operational this entire week. I spoke yesterday with Eric Mayer. He's the president of the Nevada Union Teachers Association. And he told me that what's happening at NU is not an official action. It's individual teachers not showing up, mostly because they are expressing their frustration that a memorandum of understanding was violated. What can you tell me about that? Yes, and that's that's true. The the um, union and union leadership um, has um, you know remained you know extremely professional and in communication with us um, throughout this week. And so um, this is in no means um, in sort of an organized fashion. And you know we're receiving a lot of. Um, complaints from parents and members of the public about what's happening. And there's a lot of, you know, blame being put. And so I really want to emphasize to the, to the listeners and to our our community that um, while this may be the action, uh, actions of some individual uh, teachers, by and large, and it isn't organized and by and large, uh, the uh, vast majority of our staff have been, you know, coming to work, they may not have been happy with the action that our board of trustees took earlier this week, but they've been coming to work and um, and doing their jobs as as the professionals they are. Let's talk now about that action that the board took. What exactly was the resolution that passed on Tuesday? Yeah, it was a special meeting of the board, and the resolution that they passed was similar uh, that the board passed, and it was a split vote. It was. Um, three members voted yes, 
and one voted no and one abstained. And, um, you know, that doesn't happen too often. The majority of the time our board has 5-0 decisions, but there's, you know, significant disagreement among our board members um, on this on this matter. And what I really say to those, similar to resolutions that other districts throughout the region have been considering or have already taken up. And this firestorm really started when the Roseville Joint Union High School District um, uh, passed a measure about two weeks ago saying that they were no longer requiring masks on any of their campuses. That created um, a considerable amount of um, political pressure. Um, We've received literally hundreds of emails and letters and we had a very large showing on Tuesday night's meeting. And so the resolution that was passed is similar to action that other actions that other districts are taking that basically says there's still a mask requirement on our campuses. However, if a student um, exercises their option to not wear the mask, they are no longer going to be excluded from that class or from that activity. Prior to that, we were asking students to be, you know, to um, voluntarily remove themselves from a class and go into a separate area and such. And so it was becoming more and more difficult to do that um, because of a, we're having a growing number of students, um, you know, exercising their option to say that, no, I'm, I'm not going to be removed um, from the class. So in a nutshell, uh, the whole thing is, is just, it has just been extremely difficult on on all sides of this issue. As I understand the most recent guidance for the use of masks that was handed down by the California Department of Public Health, I believe it was effective February 16th, only vaccinated persons are allowed to forego masks in indoor public settings. Does the resolution that was passed by the board acknowledge this distinction or... Are they allowing any student, regardless of vaccination status, to choose to forego a mask? Well, what the action that the California Department of Public Health um, announced or the clarification that it announced on February 16th was for non-public education, non-school environments. So the requirement for uh, masking is still in place in public and private schools in the state of California. That clarification was it was in um, private businesses and other other businesses, but any educational, local education agency, public or private, is still required to have a masking component or masking requirement. And we're expecting to see, see or hear clarification of that possibly on Monday um, from the California Department of Public Health relative to schools. Mr. Mayor expressed to me that one of the fears that these individual teachers have is that they would be in violation of state law if they were to be in the classroom and not enforce the masking requirements. He said that it is possible that they could have their credentials taken from them. Tell me about that. Yeah, I certainly don't want to discount anyone's uh, fears or worries on something like that. Um, We are not seeing that happen around the state. 
Um, I think there's an acknowledgement by state officials as to how difficult this is at the local level and how um, how contentious this is in many communities like ours. And so I, I don't know, we don't, you know, you never, with COVID and anything related to COVID, you never know for sure. And so um, uh, by, we think that by stating that we have a mask requirement in place um, and that we're just not excluding um, students from the class, that we can show that we are doing our very best to enforce this requirement or abide by this requirement. And so, and the district and the administration uh, will stand by our teachers and our staff. And, and um, if there's any um, complaints of that or anything, we will defend them uh, accordingly. But there's been quite a number of districts around the state have taken similar actions. And we have not seen state agencies the Department of Education or the California Teacher Credentialing Commission take these actions, and I don't believe that they will. Is it accurate to say that when it comes to daily enforcement, before this action was taken, when it came to daily enforcement, that that responsibility was placed squarely on the shoulders of individual teachers? It was placed squarely on, on primarily on on site administrators and, and district district admin. I mean, yes, teachers are at the front line. I don't want to don't want to discount that at all. And they are the ones that have to interface with students. And that interface was becoming, in some instances, increasingly difficult uh, to have. But the actual enforcement or any type of discipline that's taken is actually done by the administrator, um, as as is all, you know, most other major discipline uh, that takes place with students is done by an administrator. So it certainly was impacting teachers. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not certainly um, discounting anything that was, was said by my, my uh, colleagues or anything. Um, but um, the actual administration of the, of the um, a discipline and any potential discipline is done by the administrator. And that was part of our problem too, is was we were getting, Teachers and administrators were getting in between kids and families and, and such. And it was just this completely unworkable, untenable situation. In an open letter published in the union newspaper, the Nevada Joint Union High School District Teachers Association states that the resolution that directed instructors to cease enforcement of the NJUHSD mask guidelines, quote, directly violated the agreements the board approved with both the teachers union and the classified employees union. It then goes on to say that those agreements with language directly based on guidance from the California Department of Public Health, Cal OSHA, and Nevada County were crystal clear. It says that masks are required indoors at schools and medical settings and that there was an agreement if any changes in masking requirements were handed down by the state that it would trigger a renegotiation. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I can't speak um, for the board of trustees. The board felt, the board majority felt that, um, um, that it was important that this position be taken and be taken at this time. Um, with that, um, it's, you know, my responsibility that after a board vote is taken to, um, uh, you know, implement uh, their policy. And so, yes, it does. This 
the situation has con- created um, a number of challenges and, and difficulties, and we will have to, um, you know, work this through in terms of at the bargaining table as well as work it through in our relationships. Um, so, yes, there are a lot of, I think, damaged relationships now and um, uh, with this action. And I think there's for every action, there's a reaction and there are consequences to those actions and reactions and 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 and, and such. And so um, the board had a very had a very spirited conversation about this on Tuesday night. And it was the viewpoint of the board majority that um, that this memorandum, these memorandums of understanding um, uh, uh, could be changed by them, that they had the authority to change them. And, um, and that's what they felt. And that's the vote that they took. We will now then, you know, as the dust settles and such, we'll need to sort that out um, on it. But um, moving forward, uh, in terms of, of having trust between both the the, you know, the district and the board of trustees and its unions, that's going to be very difficult. And I think that's that has definitely been harmed, if not damaged. So when you say majority, uh, there was three of the five, three of the five. And one of those, Anthony Pritchard, his his vote doesn't actually count. Is that correct? His vote his um, is registered as a vote, but a student board member, because they are not duly elected by uh, voters 18 and over, um, he cannot affect the outcome. A student board member cannot affect the outcome of a particular policy or vote. So in this case, the three elected board members from their recognized trustee areas, uh, you know, three voted for it. Uh, one voted against, one abstained, and an abstention is similar to that of a no vote. So that was a three-two with with you know Mr. Pritchett's. He voted no. That would have been a you know three-three tie. He can't affect the outcome of a um, of a particular matter. Does it make sense on that? It does. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. Mr. McFadden, could you tell me who called the meeting and how much notice was given? Um, we duly noticed the meeting, so we are adhered to our public notification requirements. Um, this meeting was uh, requested by um, b- board members. Um, so, and you know, any usually approval for a board meeting is is done by the board chair, but the three board members um, uh, that voted for the resolution were in support of having a board meeting. But I think also. The other board members that expressed either reservations or opposition, I think they were in favor of discussing this matter as well. And so um, I don't think there was any sort of move afront, uh, a move afoot to have a secret meeting or anything like that. This was duly noti- notified. The public was very well aware because it was it was one of our largest attendance attendance at any board meeting um, on it, and so um, uh, the board felt that they wanted. A, um, at least the board majority felt that they wanted a special meeting at this this time uh, in response to the very strong um, input they were getting. And some of our board members, most of our board members, were getting you know hundreds and hundreds of emails from parents and community members 
saying, you know, please take this action um, out there. So um, uh, I think they were attempting to be responsive to their constituencies. Were any NU teachers consulted before the decision was made? Or was any of their input taken into consideration? We, um, we notified the union and we posted uh, that the meeting was coming uh, and such, um, but it was, um, you know, done you know, pretty, you know, quickly uh, just because the board was, was asking for that to occur. And so there wasn't, there wasn't much time to get a lot of input. As you mentioned earlier, I believe you said 35 individual teachers have elected not to, elected not to go to class. Um, using yes. different means. Yeah, have elected not to come to come to work. It's between thirty-five and forty, um, and uh, that's an approximate number um, that's there. But I, you know, I have a firm belief in all of our teachers that um, you know we get to next week that I think um, uh, we'll be able to resume courses and classes and activities at Nevada Union and. We're going to work. I'm pledging. I've met uh, twice with our um, certificated um, union members and their leadership. I've met with our just met with our classified union earlier today. I am committed. My administration is committed to um, uh, uh, addressing the harms that and and the concerns and the worries that are out there, and we're doing our very best. I think there's one other thing too. I, I, I wanted wanted to add is is that I think what's happening here in our community is a microcosm of what we're seeing around the country, and we're reading stories about um, uh, angry individuals coming to school boards. Um, we've heard debates about critical race theory about books and libraries, about COVID-19, masks, vaccines, all the rest. And there are very, very strong feelings about all of these issues across philosophical spectrums and across political spectrums. And it's growing increasingly hard to govern a school district when you have um, individuals that feel so passionately and strongly that um, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's an unwillingness to perhaps compromise, um, unwillingness to hear other sides and other viewpoints. And, um, you know, what, the, what we saw at, the, at our meeting on Tuesday night was we saw a very large crowd of, of individuals that had strong passions and were very angry. And in a setting like that, it's very, very difficult to have comprehensive, calm, thorough policy discussions, and it makes it, it you know it it makes um, running school districts and making good, sound education policy all the more difficult in these circumstances. That said, has this response from these thirty-five or forty individual teachers? Has this come as a surprise? I am not surprised. I, um, uh, you know, I had spoke to all parties saying that if an action is taken like this, there's there are unforeseen consequences 
and reactions. And, um, and that's when I've been, you know, saying that to our board and to others that for every action we take, and if that action is potentially political in nature, um, or uh, perhaps um, overly responsive um, to any any set of concerns, then there are unintended consequences um, that's out there. And I, I go back to what I said earlier. In a, in a you know, we are such we're in such a highly charged environment. I mean, we've been to if you've seen. Uh, meetings at the Board of Supervisors or meetings at our city councils, meetings at our school boards have become more and more difficult. Um, we've had threats against our staff, uh, threats of violence. We've had threats of, you know, I'm going to remove you from your job or I'm going to file a lawsuit on you. Um, uh, and, you know, you do this for a couple of years and it takes a toll on you. Um, and so I think I recognize that our parents, many of them are just tired and they want their students to be done with math and, and just go back to a normal, um, uh, you know, normal set of, you know, education conditions, but it takes its toll. You know, we're all people. So it takes its toll on our teachers, on our classified staff and on our administrators. And um, I am very concerned about, I know COVID-19 will pass. I know we'll, it'll, you know, you know, we'll get through it. But at some point, then we're going to have to work with each other on other matters that are that are important to our students and to our community. And my concern is is that what we've seen in the last, especially in the last six months in this community, will we have permanently damaged our trust in one another and our ability to reach across the table and develop mutual understanding for each other. Brett McFadden, superintendent of the Nevada Joint Union High School District. Mr. McFadden, thank you for talking with us here at KVMR News. Thank you. I'm honored to do this. Thank you.